0: Welcome to Oilfield Talk. My name is Trey Falk, and I'm host of Oilfield Talk podcast. We want to speak with workers from all other aspects of the oil and gas industry and allow them, the outlet, to tell some crazy, amazing stories you just wouldn't believe are true. Not just the Wildcats, the drillers, the Roughnecks, the Roustabouts, but the land-based, offshore drilling operations, service companies, vendors, third-party personnel, production, transportation, all aspects of the industry that provide expertise throughout the oil field industry. But each of these have many, many hilarious stories to share about their time in the oil patch. I have no doubt that we will be able to share entertaining stories or tell tall tales that anyone who works in the industry will appreciate and get a hearty laugh while listening. But this is also gonna be a family podcast. We'll be able to invite our families at home to listen, Although they won't believe half the stories we share, they may have a couple of dozen questions. Maybe it will give them and everyone a greater appreciation of the jobs we have in the oil field and why we enjoy our oil field family for half a year. So please take an hour or so out of your day, give a listen to the Oilfield Talk podcast. Hope you enjoy the stories as much as I enjoy bringing them to you. All right, welcome to Oilfield Talk. I'm in uh, New Iberia, Louisiana with my cousin, Trey York. Cousin Trey grew up out in West Texas uh, in an oilfield family. His uh, stepdad was deep, old school oilfield. I'm sure he'll have some tall tales to tell about that. But he's also actually done it, worked in the industry, and he's gonna tell me a few lies. Hey, cuz. <laughs> few lies here and
1: there. That's right. Tell me a story. So, growing up in West Texas, it's nothing but broomsticks, tumbleweeds, you name it. Been there, done it, seen it. Pump jacks, all that kind of good stuff. But on the sideline, you're going to and from work. Yeah, you make a little extra cash catching rattlesnakes on the side. (laughs) So, it's always fun to to see them, catch them. But the days of the old are gone.
0: They really are. it's, it's, It's not near about like it used to be out there and that's really what i want to bring not necessarily bring back but i want to capture some of that old school how it was it was rough it was tough
1: very rough and it was tough. work the the new generation has no idea what pertained back then it was uh h2s yeah who needs a monitor? Yeah, yeah, you fall out. Yeah, you
0: fall out. You smell a little egg stuff,
1: yeah. You know, rotten eggs. you name it. Nowadays, you have all the fancy monitors. You have the uh, sensors, calibrations, all that kind of good stuff. But back in the day, you didn't have all that. And uh, we all seen it. You worked through it. Bad weather, good weather. There was no shutting down. It was daylight to dark and then some. Yep. And uh, that's West Texas in a nutshell, you know, black gold. And there were several shows made about the black gold in West Texas. And uh, you were pretty much in growing up in West Texas, you were either football or oil field. <laughs> That's really the two sports in Texas, isn't it?
0: <laughs>
1: and rodeo on the side, but for the most part, yeah. It it's was,
0: actually true nowadays, isn't it? It's very true. It's more true than, than it used to be.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It has definitely changed day and night uh, out there. And, Growing up in it,
0: we were in Odessa,
1: of, right? Odessa. Uh, been in Mentone, Pecos, Monahans. Oh Lord, uh, everything in between. Yeah. Uh, Alpine, you go up there, then you go as far north as Lubbock, then you go back over into Jow, New Mexico, and all that area. Yeah.
0: So it They're was still out there. They're still drilling that basin. It
1: has not stopped. Technology has just now catching up to that industry used to, they had directional drilling, but it was nothing like what they're doing nowadays and pushing the boundaries and... The fracking technology. The fracking technology, introducing CO2 into these wells and yep. pushing it further and further than it ever has been before. So it's it's, it's a world of difference uh, from then to now. And
0: then you leave. Let me ask you a question. Did you ever hear a story about... A person who owned a lot of that land out there. And that land is barren. There's nothing wants to grow on it. Nothing really wants to live on it. There's no water on it. It's about the worst place you would ever want to be. Period. I mean, you would not want to just stand out there. It is very sand. True. Jackrabbits. Hot hmm. and sand. That's about all there is. Mesquite trees, tumbleweeds. But somebody owned a large chunk of that and donated it to the University of Austin. Have you ever heard that story? I think uh, it was University of I know of the ranch that you're talking about,
1: it's pretty much, and they own like, they didn't measure it in sections, they measured it in miles. Right, it was uh, huge. This ranch is very, very huge, been on it
0: several times, uh, and it stretched, oh, Lord. But the university was like, oh, gee, thanks. Appreciate the whole bunch of nothing out there. They took the land, and it wasn't until years later who did it pay off? Yeah, the oil
1: field they introduced the oil field to it, and it, it paid off tenfold and oh, then some.
0: Oh, more, yeah. And then some. So but tell me some crazy things that happened out in West Texas. Several of your bigger. Uh,
1: Oil companies, and you've heard of Boots and Coots and Red Adair and and all of them back in the day. And then blowing out gas wells and things like that, well, they just let them burn. I mean, and some of them burned for years, literally years. I've been several occasions that I've been on. And uh, putting them out was totally different, and you had to come up with extraordinary measures sometimes. (laughs) Blowing them up was Yep. Kind of one of the things that
0: they did back those in the movies day. they made were quite accurate, uh, more so than you know. It wasn't just Hollywood. That's no. how they actually had to do it. It was very true.
1: There There's a lot of truth to that uh, back in the day, and they put them out, and then you pull the equipment away and put it out. Yeah, there there were no uh, the safety programs that are in place nowadays are not not even heard of back then. That's right.
0: I worked with them one time
1: offshore, Boots and Coots. Yep, I've I've spent a lot of time with them. uh, With them, and then overseas, back whenever they had the Gulf War, they were blowing up several oil wells. I know a lot of people remember that back in the early 90s. uh, Speaking of, was the Gulf War, and they were blowing up several oil wells back then. And the company I was with back then we provided uh, BOP, we provided wellhead trees, different things like that. So it was uh, quite interesting, to say the least. I didn't realize you were over there. Yep, yep. Spent a lot of time over there. That and, was a mess. Uh, it was a big mess. It was a big mess. Long, long time ago. <laughs> yep, yep. Yeah, we were young men then. <laughs> yeah, the heck with college. Just go there, and make a quick buck, come home, then go back to school. That's
0: kind of the way... Most of us did it anyway. Well, a lot of times that's what you had to do. I mean, there wasn't... Uh, wasn't an option. Yep, yep. You had to earn the money to go to school. Yep. So, so what's your what's your education background as far as schools? I, I don't know all of them. Oh, Lord. This man is uh, multi-talented, can do just <laughs> about anything you want to ask him to do, and some. But I don't know the true education side. Finished school uh, in West Texas. Uh,
1: went to, started off in Odessa college, junior college, small junior college, finished up with UTPB, uh, after the Gulf War, of course, <laughs> Right, but, you know, you have to work in there and then you, like you say, you finish school and you kind of do what you got to do and, uh, continued with that, stayed in the oil field and in, in West Texas up until 92 and then moved to Louisiana and uh
0: the great state of louisiana yes
1: got back into <laughs> the oil field later on in louisiana uh had a few jobs here and there and the oil field was just always calling and it's you know part of my history part of my family it's it's what we did and uh, so i got back into it got into the subsea side of it uh working with a lot of your pipeline laying vessels uh some of them were setting some of the first plets and plims that were set in the Gulf of Mexico for the deep water drilling as we know it today. So what's a plet and a plim? That is your oil and gas transfer
0: uh, stations, if you will. Okay. is basically what it boils down After After we drill the hole, they come back and put these plets and plims in to actually produce it and bring it up and send it to the platform correct yes
1: so you gotta put the well out there and then drill the hole and then you lay the pipe and then you connect the pipe to these splits and plims and then it sends it to the different production platforms closer in and they do what they got to do to it and it brings it in shore through the pipelines right but they had to put all of that
0: in place to do what they do nowadays and it wasn't there no you were there at (laughs) you Know the beginning of that type of industry, it really was brand spanking new. Yeah, it was It was totally different. Uh, it was like some of the Nansen,
1: the Boom Vang, the Typhoon back in the day, and uh, then you had some of your older, your older uh, platforms out there, Brooders, Ursa, Mars, you know, several of them out there. So, I spent years on that side of it as well, uh, sitting on the, the vessels and. We spent years uh, in Houston setting up all of this uh, before it ever came into play that people don't even know about. We actually built make models in Houston. We took them, built them, took cranes, flew the ROVs around, opened all this stuff up. Then we disassembled all that. Months later, went back out, put it in the Gulf of Mexico, and boom. <laughs> went to work. Went to work. Wow. So it's, it's uh, quite the industry, I can say that. And you've done a lot in it. Oh, spent years in it, years and years in it. And it has all changed, you know, ever since the... uh, Macondo, yep. Yep. So all the fires and everything that has happened out there over the years and flaring the gas. And now that I'm on a totally different side of it, we see the transition from flaring to transferring and pumping all of that gas back to... LNG. That's right. Collect it. So Make now we're money. collecting it, selling it to China and Japan and whoever else wants to buy it. So it's 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 going from day and night. And we have some pretty big facilities here in Louisiana. We have more of them being built in the next few years that are coming up. There's one in Hackberry. There's another one in Freeport, Texas. Yep. So some pretty good size
0: LNG. That's facilities. out by Cameron yes yep. down around cameron to be exact yep they're building one south of new orleans also down towards venice yes yeah that is the- that is amazing I-, I watched that structure being built and it is amazing with the hurricane wall that they're building that wall must be 30 40 feet tall and it's just a solid iron reinforced then it's backed by you know dirt it's just a, they're building this super wall for the possibility of a hurricane and the possibility of you know the water coming up yep yeah, it's, it's going to be quite the facility it's uh and they build
1: trains they call them trains yep. and you got the one in hackberry cameron if you will it has three trains on that facility and after hurricane delta Delta. delta it was delta that wiped it out and then we had to go in there and rebuild everything and get it back up and it is now back up and running as i know of
0: that was one of the worst hurricanes i ever saw i went over there after the hurricane and helped a friend and it was uh the worst hurricane destruction i've seen and i was down there in uh, katrina after katrina it was more flooding but hurricane damage nothing like delta yeah it was massive yeah it uh
1: It flooded that entire facility they had millions and millions and millions of dollars worth of equipment that just went completely underwater Mm. it all had to be rebuilt or replaced right so kind of interesting to go from one concept you know from West Texas to Gulf of Mexico to LNG it just goes to show you that the diverse uh, possibilities yeah, yeah possibilities in the oil field I mean it's not just one dynamic
0: it, uh, it goes from but you bring a very interesting skill sets, and I say that plural because you weren't doing the same thing in each one of those different positions. No and no. not only did you grow, but you you know took additional classes, you learned additional skill sets, you learned different trades within the industry. You have to grow with the industry. if you're going to stay in the
1: industry, you have to grow with the industry. you have to learn and be multifaceted. You have to, I went from laying down pipe, you know, you name it, the uh, the dog houses in West Texas (laughs) to the Gulf of Mexico sitting in a a Game Boy chair, if you will, for lack of the better word, watching an ROV, you know, going down and turning valves. And I mean, I have seen it from and been there from one spectrum to the other. It's, it's, It's day and night difference. I mean. But you have to grow. If you want to stay in the industry, you want to succeed in the industry, you have to grow with it. Yep. And that's... So did anything funny ever happen? Oh, Lord. <laughs> <laughs> uh, tell you about a pipeline laying vessel I was on. That's that. That's a good one. Uh, <laughs> we were laying pipe, been laying pipe for weeks. And food's good. Food's always good on the boat. You eat like a king. Enjoyed every minute of it. We were on the back of the ship that day, and I watched the galley hands back there in the back, and they were fishing, which was norm. It wasn't out of the norm. They were always fishing. We had fresh fish, you know, you name it. We ate it and got back up topside, and they had these fish hanging from an A-frame that had valves hanging on it that morning. And I asked a simple question, which wasn't so simple. Asked them, I said, what are you going to do with that fish? Well, they're going to let it rot for three days, and we're going to make fish soup out of it. Mm. Needless to say, I became a vegetarian real quick. I'll pass, yes. (laughs) (laughs) Might have been delicious. Don't have a clue. Yep. But you see-
0: I worked in Asia and had some experiences like that.
1: This was a Filipino vessel. This is uh, pretty much all Filipinos were on this boat. Great group of guys. Very, very good. Other than that, food was great. Everything they cooked, everything we ate, couldn't beat it. But the three-day-old fish, I'm going to pass. Yeah, when you got flies blowing fish, yeah, sorry, I'm going to pass
0: on that. No, I'm with you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you see things like that, and then you go from doing stuff like that uh to laying pipe and yes pipe does go round and around on a big coal spool and it, it's not just a straight piece of pipe that goes in the ground anymore and we've all proved that and seen it nowadays and we attach these valves going on to these ocean floors and dropped them off in the middle of nowhere it's uh it's, it's quite something to see if you've never seen it before
0: a lot of people may not uh, i don't know who all is listening but a lot of people think that pipe doesn't bend and they've seen drill pipe and they're like, oh, that doesn't bend, but it does. And my favorite example is you take straws, one straw, you cannot bend it. It's going to crease. It's going to crimp. But if you stick 10 straws together, you can almost make a circle. So the same concept goes for the steel pipe. Yep. It's strong. It's it's very strong, very heavy. It will conform
1: and back in the day you talk about drilling way back in the day you know they might have drilled eight thousand nine thousand ten thousand feet and now we're drilling thirty thousand thirty feet. yeah you know it, it's it's uh people said they'd never see it yeah it, it's gonna go way beyond that yeah they just
0: keep reaching out further and further the technology continues to advance we've got some crazy technology out there nowadays yeah the engineering has come a long way
1: from back in the day. You can start drilling in one section, end up in another section. <laughs> They've done that and got multi million dollar tools going in the hole and whew, so you have to keep up with that one. No, no, thank you. <laughs> you know, and now you got ships drilling all wells nowadays where you had platforms and tension leg platforms and submersibles and it's jackups and yep yeah it's, it's all all different out there nowadays for sure but some of the other things that you see out there what i loved about being out there in the gulf you see the whale sharks you see the sunfish you see things that people on land will never see that's right and never dream of seeing or you appreciate see or appreciate you see schools and schools and schools and hundreds and thousands of tuna out there and (laughs) millions of redfish out there. I mean, it's just, you tell stories like that and you come back and your, your buddies look at you like, yeah, Yeah, right." right.
0: Yep. Yeah, no, it does. It happens. The craziest thing I've seen like that was in the Bass Strait, which is South of Melbourne, Australia. And the sea was boiling with dolphins Oh, never seen it that. Was, it was insane. I don't know. It must have been some dolphin breeding ground or something. I don't know. But it was just boiling, and it was amazing to watch. And yeah. I'm not talking about just right at the bottom of the ship. Everywhere you looked. Wow. It was crazy.
1: That That's very unusual. Never never seen that. Seen a lot of things. Seen a lot of big octopus. Seen a lot of squids.
0: Seen... Coming up on the BOP. Ever seen that? Uh...
1: No, I hadn't seen I had that, an octopus in
0: Vietnam on the BOP, and the octopus got pulled up into the moon pool. And, of course, <laughs> who comes out? The Vietnamese cooks. We had uh octopus that afternoon. That's right.
1: <laughs> <laughs> now, we've seen a lot of different things, like running the ROVs down and and hooking up these vials and checking the vials off the off the vessels and stuff like that that we were laying, the plets and plims, and all the pipe that we laid going to the plets and plims and back up to the platforms, et cetera. And like I said, you see a lot of sharks and huge, huge, massive whales. Oh,
0: whales. I mean, it's just... And some odd fish. You just kind of look at that fish and wonder, what the world are you?
1: yeah some of them are like "Mm, fish or not fish right it's it's see some weird stuff that's for sure but that's all part of the oil field i mean that that's stuff that most people never see you know if if you're drilling and pushing tools and the subsea side of it is totally different it's it but i've had the privilege of doing all of it on land offshore subsea you name it been there done that (laughs) But yeah, it's uh it's a totally different world offshore versus onshore. Uh, I'll give you that. It it's better
0: to be offshore. <laughs> it's a lot more family oriented, I think. Now honestly, I haven't worked on land, but I have heard stories. And yeah, it's a different world. Totally day and night difference working on land, uh, the West
1: Texas versus offshore. I'll take the offshore every day. Yeah. And a lot of those guys wanna get offshore. <laughs> That's that's the truth of it, and you, like I said, you see a lot of things, you hear a lot of things, like technology nowadays. I keep going back to that cutting pipe. It's it, it's taken. We were talking about that earlier today, and it's it's taken a totally different turn from what it used to. Right, taking three or four or five days a week to cut a piece of pipe, they can do it in a few hours now. Technology has changed, but it's uh it, it's the camaraderie that's out there. It's uh, it's your family. I mean, you spend more time with that family than you do your own family. A lot of ways, you're right. Because you we know. travel days come off of our family time. Yeah, you see, you see people and friendships that will last forever. Yep, I mean, they continue. Just, doesn't matter where they go. Doesn't matter what platform you're on. I've been on a bunch of them as a service contractor. So I worked on many, many, many
0: platforms. <laughs> you want to hear a small world story? <laughs> you know what a small world story is? Okay. you know, you're out somewhere not expecting and then you find out somebody's like, you know, so small world story. Just the other day, a friend of mine gives me a call and says, you have to talk to this guy. We're at Mike Anderson's. We're eating supper. I've been telling him about your podcast. He's really interested. He wants to be on the podcast. He said he's been offshore. I said, great. I said, "Uh, give him my name, give him my number. Oh, well, here you talk to him, hands him the phone. And I said, hello, I'm Trey. And uh, he said, I'm not going to mention the guy's name because I don't know if he wants me to. He said, he said his name. And I said, we worked together 10 years ago. I mean, it was just he knew. Uh, he didn't know it was me. What are the odds of a friend meeting somebody that you worked with 10 years ago? And it was just the strangest small world. It is. It is. And it happened. It happened. It does happen like that.
1: I mean, you could be out of the industry for 10 years. And like you just said, you turn around, you meet somebody that you hadn't talked to in that long. Yep. Yeah. Whether it be a boat captain or whether it be a, a driller, a tool pusher, whatever you just, you meet people everywhere. But yeah, some of the funnier stories that you, you see out there is like going in the galley at late at night, get leftover steak. You go in there pick up a piece of raw steak, and you go fishing off the back of the platform. <laughs> I mean, yeah, then you kind of have to con the helicopter pilot to fly back in, whatever.
0: It's got to be flown back in, you know, just saying. Well, there uh, <laughs> actually, when I started offshore, they had shut down fishing on the ships uh, shortly after I started because of that reason right there. Wildlife and fisheries, they were busting them at the heliport. You know, these are federal game fish out in federal waters that are not allowed to be flown (laughs) and they're not allowed to be in a helicopter. You're not allowed to do that. And they started busting people and companies and and it 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 shut that down. But I am happy to say that we as an industry have figured out in part with them how to get fishing licenses for the vessels that we're now allowing the guys to, and there's rules. But it's nice to see him and we're actively fishing now, and it's good. I was glad to see it come back because the boys absolutely love it. It oh, is goodness. a mess. When they're bringing in 60, 70, 80-pound tuna, it, yeah, they're big fish, and Huge. there's a heck of a fight. It's a heck of a challenge trying to get that fish from the from the hook on in the water up over the, the handrail onto the ship. It's, it's uh, interesting
1: less you know the crane operator then they lower the man basket down there you know kind of just on the no line. that doesn't happen anymore <laughs> like i said back in the day back in the day it did you're right there's been many a fish brought up like that oh bo- more times than i can count but the technology and the safety aspects of it yeah a lot of that had to change it did it, it had to a lot of people got hurt a lot of people got hurt yeah so it all had to come to an end but it's still worth being out there. It's still nice to be out there, for sure. I think so too. Yep. But it's from all over the world. I mean, it, it's the same. Doesn't matter where you go. Doesn't matter whether you're in the Gulf of Mexico or you're in Australia or the North Sea or
0: the Gulf of Alaska. It's all the same. I mean, it's- or if you're working with Australians, or if you're working with Kiwis, or if you're working with Scots, or if you're working with the industry is that melting pot. You just never know who you're going to work with, what continent they came from, their history. But we come together as a, as a team and drill some holes. That is correct. And I still see them to this very
1: day coming from all over, you know, Louisiana and Texas and Mississippi, Alabama, you name it. The companies that I work for today, I still run into a lot of these people and they're from all over the world. So it goes to show you that the industry is
0: not as local as they think it is. Right. It's not just a South Louisiana thing or no. a West Texas thing. It is a global thing. Well, the oil is the blood of industry. And yes. The lifeblood, if you will.
1: For certain. <laughs> and it will go on way past us, way past the stories, the hazings, the. You, you never know, hazed and- anybody. You would never do that. You know, a little never-sees never hurt
0: anybody is what I was always told. And how would you apply said never-sees?
1: Well, it's kind of says it all within the name. Never-sees, you never see it, so you... you
0: know. Oh, tell me where you put it.
1: Uh, you know, on the back of your
0: toothbrush.
1: I mean, oh, you know... Uh, your co-worker's pockets. I mean, you, you know.
0: headbands.
1: You know, it's the gift that keeps on giving. So, we'll say that. So,
0: if you don't know, one tiny little bitty dab of this stuff, it grows exponentially, and before you know it, you've got it everywhere. And it's if you don't know where it's coming from, it's insane. And a lot of people have been tricked i heard one the other day they put it in his boots oh ruined his boots can you imagine
1: sometimes you just take it all off throw it away and start Start over
0: over. yep i can honestly say i never heard the toothbrush that's uh, that's kind of rude
1: it 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 gets the point across
0: (laughs) if it wasn't payback there will be
1: (laughs) Yeah, usually that one, that, that's that's payback for something.
0: Yeah. yeah. You you take it to a whole other level. I don't even want to know what's above toothbrush, to be honest with you. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oof. Uh, first thing in the morning, imagine
0: that. Mm. A whole day of that stuff. You never get it out of your mouth. You'd never get the taste out of your mouth for a week. Yeah, it, it does. What other hazing did you see? you of course did not participate in but you've heard stories somebody said that's right you
1: know you always go with the somebody said some, yeah some some guy told me <laughs> uh you know you get the pipe stretcher out and you get all the new guys you've heard them all the pipe stretcher the sky hooks and <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. v door key yep yeah. so you always send them to the bottom of the platform whatever you need and uh, they come back up, and the next guy, and they just pass it on from person to person to person. Next thing you know, the the guy's got nothing accomplished
0: for the entire day. Yep, and the tool pusher's not happy with you
1: at all. <laughs> and
0: everybody <laughs> pleads the fifth. <laughs> <laughs> so many people have been caught, myself included. So I, I cannot say I was innocent at all. I, I was sent for the V door key and had no clue, and. I didn't get as far as some people because I was actually working as a safety. They were not going to, I guess, embarrass me that much, but they definitely got me. Yeah, (laughs) I got the T-shirt.
1: But it it happens everywhere. I mean, it's every platform all over the world. I mean, we've seen them all for sure. (laughs)
0: Good people. Yep. Somebody's got to be the probing. True. Yeah, somebody <laughs> new every every week sometimes. This industry, especially right now, is just desperate for people, desperate for workers. Yeah, the whole the... country is, but oil industry is suffering the same thing. Uh, your industry, you're in now. Yeah, the
1: industry I'm in now, Yeah, it, it's hard to find people. I mean, people... And to do what we do and learn what we learn, you don't learn it overnight. Right. And it takes years to train somebody, you know, five, six, eight, ten 10 years sometimes to do what we do. So
0: there's like a... They don't have the patience for that. They want to go straight to the top and make the big money. They don't understand the sacrifice that we made All coming us. up. And they will also make the same sacrifice. They're not going to take a shortcut. They just think they are.
1: Yeah, it it, it will happen. I mean, it, it's, it's now you're starting to see... The labor gap, if you will, everybody went technology, technology, and somebody's got to do the work. That's just the bottom line. I mean, you've got to have hands-on people out there to do the work every day. That's and right. Is, nobody wants to work anymore, but it, it is catching up, and it's catching up in a good way for the people that are out
0: there. The The salaries are going up. and For those that have the experience that actually know how, uh, you're right, they're a rare breed. Yes. yes, in high demand. That is absolutely correct. And it will continue to grow.
1: And it will take years and years and years to catch up for that multi-generational gap.
0: It'll never change. Uh, I I don't think it'll ever go back. The root cause of this big gap that we're fighting right now is the the greatest generation. When that generation, uh, after World War II, started retiring out 10 years ago, they... There was not enough people. They didn't have enough babies later down the road in the 70s, the 60s, 70s, 80s. They didn't have enough children to fill that large of a a gap of people. And as they retired out, there just was not enough manpower to fill that hole. That's why robotics have taken over. Yes. It's why industries went automation a lot because they knew ahead of time this stuff was not there. There's nobody going to be there. No,
1: and that's part of where I saw the gap coming, and that's when I started going back to school and learning more and more about the new technology that's coming. That's the way you keep up with technology. And you stay know? on that leading edge. You have to either grow or you fall behind. That's that's the long and the short of it. Yep. Yeah. And I chose to stay ahead of the curve. And done well. Done well. <laughs> so, you know, enjoy it. Anybody out there listening, just – stay in school i mean learn and stay ahead of the technology you get
0: behind the technology you're going to fall behind never turn down a school always raise your hand anybody that offers you a class just say yes doesn't matter what
1: it is take it i mean it doesn't matter how simple you think it is or maybe
0: it it will pay off in the end well the example i gave my child one of my children he's electrician and i said you might be working And they offer a forklift class Friday night, 4 to 7. We're going to have a forklift class and then come in Saturday morning. We're going to do the rest of the forklift class and, you know, the practical. And you'll get your license or your your certificate that afternoon. A lot of people are like, oh, I'm not giving up my Friday. I'm an electrician. What do I need to be a forklift driver for? thing is, you never know when you need a forklift. And when you need a forklift, it's good if you've got your certificate.
1: That is very true. You never know when that certificate will come in handy. That's why you keep going and re-certifying every chance you get. Doesn't matter what it is. Uh, everything from safety classes to uh, forklift training, crane training. Uh, inspections. Inspections, I mean, you name it. Keep the certificates up and you will always
0: be a much higher asset on the payroll for yep. sure that's what i call the multifunction tool i want you to have a lot of skill sets so with that said uh it's
1: all the classes you know just keep taking them if if you're listing just keep taking the classes over and over and over it will pay off in the end and just keep climbing the ladder of success that's that's my word of advice it worked for me for many 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 years
0: and uh Still going to school. (laughs)
1: She never quit learning.
0: Take the challenges, you Mm -hmm. know, go for the things that might be a little bit difficult, might be a challenge. It's okay. Go do it. Exactly.
1: Yeah. And you'd be surprised at the different industries you can go to or see. Uh, My work has taken me everything from the oil field to, Uh, electrical to overhead cranes to robotics to you name it i've pretty much done weld cut dig a hole operate uh, heavy equipment machine a cnc oh yeah mobile cranes you name it and that's what i say continue to stay ahead of the curve do what you can do and you will be a much needed asset in the industry absolutely whichever industry
0: you go with all industries the thing is a lot of that stuff parlays to not just oil field industry but the service industry when i say service yes i'm specifically talking about those that service the oil industry but they also service other things doesn't mean something you learn in the oil field definitely can transfer to something else another complete separate industry it'll take you as far as you want to go for sure just got to work for it all right what other crazy stories you got Mm. Oh, by the way, thanks for dinner. I mean, uh, your significant other, Lisa, she uh, <laughs> put a heck of a, what are we going to call that A fricassee, you call it? That was
1: it. a fricassee.
0: It really was, a chicken fricassee. That yep. was uh, yum. Yeah, so, she's quite to cook, for sure. Thank you very much for that.
1: There's a lot of different things out there that you see in the industry, it's offshore, oil field, you name it. The technology, like I said, I keep going back to technology and you see multi things in all the industries from different companies that service the industry, like we talked about, everything from BOPs to moving vessels. And nowadays you got these ships, these massive ships will actually literally pick up an entire platform and carry it across the world. I mean, it's Mm -hmm. it's just the technology is... The heavy lifts, yeah. The heavy lifting vessels, exactly. You know, you got vessels that will lift
0: 10,000 tons. I mean it's, oh, it's, it's more than that, I'm sure. Huge. The last one I put a I put a, a semi-submersible on the middle of a heavy lift and I could name the boat, but I'm not. And there was room to put a jack-up in front and a jack-up behind it. And the ship could carry it. So yes. it's insane how much or how powerful those ships are. Huge, massive was at one of the local shipyards
1: uh, here in Louisiana recently, and they were building the biggest dry dock headed to New York, actually, up there on the East Coast. And people saw it out, I'll tell you how big it is. They saw it setting on the beach in Destin, Florida, Fort Walton, and they had no clue what they were seeing out there. Well, come to find out, it was a dry dock. Oh, wow. Part of the dry dock, actually. And it was actually headed to Tampa, Florida, to catch up with the intercoastal and then make its way up towards New York, uh, Massachusetts, wherever this thing was going to end up at. But it will be one, if not the largest dry dock facility on the East Coast for
0: sure. Wow. I've seen some big ones in Singapore. Uh, That's where I've done a large percentage of my shipyards has been Singapore. So that's what they're
1: doing with this. And I have no idea what the projects that are coming up for that dry dock, but it is massive. Be nice to know. Be fun. So they are building that, like I said, here in Louisiana and shipping it up the East Coast. So it, it, it is massive. So if you do see one of these pieces going across the Gulf of Mexico, whether it be Fort Walton, Destin, Tampa, Panama City, it is part of a big dry dock facility that is being built in South Louisiana. Oh, wow. That's cool social media was talking about it uh recently and i saw the picture and photograph yep i know where that came from but (laughs) i saw that (laughs) i've seen that before we won't exactly say where it came from but it did come from south louisiana
0: for sure that's pretty cool
1: but it is massive i've been watching them build this thing for a couple of years now they've been working on this project actually and they're finally completing sections of it at a time and shipping it up the east coast so things like that, you see, you know, it all comes from local. You know, we're local people, local boys from here from South Louisiana, so. Our stuff goes around the world for sure. Yep. Hurricanes can't stop us, it,
0: you know. They just slow us down.
1: <laughs> it gives us a good reason to have a party, oh, you know.
0: <laughs> had plenty of hurricane parties, but, yeah, it's not fun to recover from. I've, we've been hit the last few years. Pretty well, not last year, but, like, two years before. Ah. Absolutely amazing.
1: Still recovering. The HOMA industry uh 2021. Especially.
0: Yeah.
1: Yep. Yeah. Hurricane Ida hit us pretty hard in Homa. We're still rebuilding a lot of our customers uh in that area. Yep. They got hit really,
0: really hard. And it, it will take years to bring those customers back to that area. Yep, it ran them out because the infrastructure was gone, the the everything, the buildings were destroyed. Yeah, oh, it just totally destroyed facilities, just wiped them out. Well, it's the same thing. Further south, that that uh, Ida came in right at uh, Grand Isle, right at Fouchon, and it wore that place to pieces. Yeah, it had I, fourteen feet of water where they were parking their cars. Yeah the the
1: wind the wind that came in from that storm was significantly higher than than what was uh I heard two hundred plus was oh. what uh, a captain on a boat. Recorded. Yes. Yeah. The one, matter of fact, one of the companies that we do work for, uh, they wrote it out and probably will never write another one out. But the captain on the boat, yeah, it, it exceeded 210 miles an hour. And he, they checked the gauges and verified that, yes, that is correct. It, it was sig- very significant. Yep, Yeah. Ida was mean girl. Yep. She destroyed a lot of stuff. It will take years to rebuild all that infrastructure down
0: there laid waste to the swamps too. what you know driving between uh well the salmons and and uh, and booty up through the swamp there that's the where the eye went all the way up through to laplace it absolutely devastated and when i say devastated a week after that storm went through i was going to new orleans on the interstate and i looked to the left and i looked to the right and normally and this is summertime you can't see into the woods, right? I mean, it's just a wall of trees. It's a wall of woods. I could see hundreds of yards in to the woods. It had stripped all of the leaves, not, not, not to mention all the trees that had been laid down, but it had literally stripped the leaves off the trees. You could see hundreds of yards into the woods. That was the first time I've ever seen anything like that. Thibodeau got hit really hard. Uh, We do
1: work for a customer down there in Thibodeau as well. And they got hit very, very, very hard. And and like you said, we drove around once we went down there to help them rebuild and get them back up and running. The devastation was just far and wide. I mean, just complete houses just pushed off their piers and seriously, just across the roads. Pushed, yeah. Yeah, it's like something you've never seen before. Yep. We've seen a lot of hurricanes in South Louisiana, but that that one was... That and Delta were the two worst that I've ever experienced. As far as I remember, the only other ones that were close, I was not around, that was uh, Camille. She hit in 68, 69. Right. I think Camille came aboard. Uh, that's the only other one that I can remember that had that kind of devastation that these two had.
0: Hopefully, we'll never see those again. Uh, it'd be way too soon. Yes. Yes, indeed. For sure. You got anything else? Any other lies you want to tell me? About it. I mean, that's, that's you know, pretty much... Uh, you tell find- me tell me this. Tell me about Uncle Joe. So, Uncle Joe is Trey's mother's husband. Was. Yes. He passed. Yeah. But... Uncle Joe was a heck of a guy. <laughs> Uncle Joe was something else. And although I wasn't in the industry at the time, so I couldn't follow, he was just a character. Just, I want to hear, what did he do? He
1: was one of the old school guys. I mean, you learn from the ground up, you first hands on. I mean, as he started off as a, a roughneck and graduated to the floor and... Uh, went straight from there to running uh, work over rigs on land Uh, started off doing that then he moved into the fishing tool side of it he moved into the completion side of it so he literally knew every single facet of the oil field and being his son, that's kind of <laughs> where I came from. That's, that's right. kind of how I got it. I grew up with it. I do it. It's what we spoke at the dinner table. It's yeah. what, you know, every weekend, every holiday that I was off and he was working, I spent my days in the oil field with him,
0: growing up and growing
1: the oil up field. in the as a kid.
0: Yeah, sitting in the truck, you know, watching. Sit, back watching, in the seventies when they could do that, watching drilling rigs drill oil
1: wells and watching uh tools fly out of the hole and (laughs) kickbacks and oh bop fires i mean you name it you know it 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 pretty much happened Uh, these pulling units back in the day they had big disc brakes uh drum brakes on these on these big uh drums and they would overheat well they some had somebody in charge of pouring water on them keeping them cool well they go fix lunch or whatever they heat up you get a kick back on the well boom you got a fire quick it happened that way there was no shut-ins there was no esd there was no (laughs) (laughs) there wasn't any of that back in the day like there is nowadays but he grew up doing all of this and that's kind of where my background came from it it wasn't an option (laughs) it's what you You were going well
0: yeah you're brought up in it
1: (laughs) you know i was guilt by association for sure but uh We grew up in it. We lived it. The West Texas oil fields,
0: everything from. he, He ended up becoming a true specialist and in demand. He was the troubleshooter. He was the guy that when the regular guy couldn't do it, they called Joe and Joe had done everything and he knew how to get it done. Would that be a true statement? Very true statement. He actually knew more than the
1: engineers. Just because the engineers said it looked good on paper, uh, until you've put it to the test, been down there, pulled everything out of the hole, and seen it firsthand and done it, that's where your education comes from. Yep. Not, not a he book, not a piece it. of paper. Yet, uh, and that's how he became one of the top, if not the top, in his field. I mean, yep. he he did it from completing he knew it all he knew the cementing side of it he knew the tools that it took uh, <laughs> everything from you know all the packers and subs and everything that go down in the hole and makes it all work it's he scary knew.
0: how much he knew isn't it
1: he knew every single you, you couldn't you wasn't gonna get nothing past him i'll put it to you like this a lot of people have tried
0: that's right <laughs>
1: i mean he he knew it backwards and forwards and me and him talked about it on a daily basis, and it was just what I grew up with. I didn't. <laughs> so when I got in the industry myself, when I was old enough to get in the industry, it's like people are like, "How do you know
0: all that?" I grew up in it. That's <laughs> so, right. You, know, you grew up hearing it.
1: You grew breathing up it. Reading it. Hearing it. I mean, I still got oh blowout preventer books. I still got uh, cementing books from different companies. <laughs> so. You know that belonged to him and it, it's stuff that i still read and study to this very day so yeah it's it's uh my background in the oil field goes deep pretty much as deep as his does but he knew it he worked it like i said from the ground up he did it everything from pulling units to the gulf of mexico he yep. spent a few years in the gulf of mexico they had some wells out there that That he took care of out of venice matter of fact uh boothville empire all down in that area that they completed and whenever they wanted something completed they wanted it done right that's who they called Hmm. (laughs) he was one of a kind that's for
0: sure he He was uh, indeed you know he he done it all seen it all yep Uh, special guy i just i wanted to hear a little bit of, of his history maybe even a little dedication to you know what i mean I didn't get into the industry because of him, but once I got into the industry, I appreciated him in a completely different light. Does that make sense?
1: Yes. He spent, uh, give you a little bit of background without naming companies and things like that. He spent darn near 40 years with one company and uh, that's not dedication. I I don't know what is. And like I said, he, uh, he spent 40 years with one company, one man owned that company, and he pretty much did everything from beginning to end uh, with that company. Wow and uh, went all over I mean we if anybody knows anything about the oil field whenever you're working in West Texas, you move from point A to point B and you go where the work is and that's that's, that's the way you learn that's what keeps you employed in the oil field is going where the work is yep. So I can I can attest to
0: that for sure. Well, it's we've both traveled so much yeah. because of the industry, and and I enjoy that I really do. I like to see different things. Yep. But
1: growing up as a kid in it, you know, you miss out on a lot. You you know, you go from one town to the next town to, you know, you grow up, and that's that was the industry back in the day. Yep. You know, nowadays people travel all over, and there's nothing. It's it's unheard of you go work 28 28 in west texas if you want to right
0: you know so the and industry you can go back, changed. Home. back then those guys were working seven days yeah in seven days and seven days they worked because the work was there it was available the time off was when there wasn't any work
1: that is correct yeah
0: that they all field was up and down back then it wasn't
1: as stable It's what it is now, and it it, and it still has its ups and downs. It's not that it will always have its ups and downs, but uh, back in the day, you you travel. You had to travel like that. Uh, If they're drilling twenty wells, ten wells uh, from here to there, you had to be there for those twenty wells, (laughs) and that's
0: just the way it
1: was. That's right.
0: (laughs) I mean, you get a little vacation time. They let you go, you know, get away a little bit. But the bottom line was, you're there to work. Yep,
1: and I will say one thing about West Texas, you got some of the best fishing, 250 miles in either direction. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Gee
1: whiz, I hadn't
0: thought of that one. <laughs> Welcome to West Texas. Yeah, there's nothing. Absolutely back to the beginning. Nothing out there at all. Takes you <laughs> like right you said, back. Jack some rattlesnakes, some sand, and
1: sunburn. That, that that pretty much explains West Texas in a nutshell <laughs> well
0: because thank you very much appreciate your uh, expounding on your history and letting me uh, poke at you a little bit and figure out what all you've done because I really didn't know all the you know ins and outs what all you had done we've talked about things here and there yep
1: spent a lot of time in it been in it and around it and out of it mm. currently
0: still in it about it it. (laughs) yes you're around
1: it you're around it every day every day i'm uh in it you know seeing different people different things so it'll never leave you it it will once the oil fills in you it's
0: in you it's a whole different industry but it's special it's very special for sure thank you very much appreciate it Nomad Mobile Productions is a broadcasting and media production company that produces podcasts and provides a mobile podcast studio complete with audio and video recording equipment. We also offer post-production processing, editing, marketing, and publication for podcasts. Our mobile production studio will come to you. Visit our webpage, nomadmobileproductions.com, or our Facebook.